0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au.
2: This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. good day Thanks for pulling on the green and gold with me. The Matildas waltzing into a World Cup quarterfinal. Has the sleeping giant... Of Australian Sport Awoken. thirteen thirteen fifty five oh four six seven seven three six seven three six Are you going crazy for Aussie soccer after the razzodazzle of last night against the not so great Danes? All right, dad jokes aside. <laughs> um, but are you on the bandwagon? It's a pretty big bandwagon too. I remember Acker used to describe this bandwagon when the lines were going through the three-peat. It's like that Indian bus. It holds. Well, oh, sorry, seats 49, but holds 900. That's the bandwagon right now, the size of the Matildas. What, what about your kids or grandkids? And this is the serious side of it. What are your kids or grandkids? After watching the Matildas over the last three weeks, do they want to play soccer now? Have they said, sign me up, take me down to the local club? 131355 0467 736 736. Are we witnessing the change of Australia's sporting landscape? I say no. I'll get into that a little later on. Um, what was your biggest takeaway from last night? Can, can the Matildas go all the way? We can win without Sam Kerr. We can go real deep without Sam Kerr. I know she came on for a cameo. Does she start on Saturday night or Saturday evening? Uh, we know her calf's going to be fine. Well, what other takeaways did you take from last night? 75,000 in Sydney on a school night. Geez, Aussies love an event. That's a good takeaway. And Denmark. I took away that they've got to have one of the worst national anthems ever. That was shocking. It was like going to a funeral. Anything else I missed? Uh, 13-13.55, part of Queensland Sports' biggest conversation. Coming up, you'll hear from the Matildas today. They make their way back to Base Camp Brisbane. Uh, Training tomorrow. We just don't know where yet because nothing was booked. That's humble, isn't it? No presumptions. No, let's book something because we'll be playing on the weekend. I've got to book a book of field. It's probably going to be Qsac. I'll also hear from the voice of the game. What does football Australia need to do to go kerching and cash in on the Matildas' success? Could they learn a lesson from rugby after the 2003 World Cup here? Money! It could all come down to money, as it is at Red Hill. It is the underlying theme of the show today. Payne Haas, is he worth more than Darren Lockyer ever was at the Broncos? And I'm not talking monetary value. Uh, We're talking a percentage of the salary cap because the reports we're hearing today, he has knocked back $1.1 million a year. History making. The biggest deal in the Broncos' history. And he said no. No. I want to test the open market. Is he worth more than Adam Reynolds to the Broncos? Then Kevy or, or Lazo? Again, I know the final figure's going to be different because we are in different times. Salary cap is a lot bigger. But as a percentage of that salary cap, Payne Haas, is he worth it? And again, this is a player that got booed by Broncos fans for the first time in history. Was that a misunderstanding? Was that misunderstood? Wants to test the open market November. Why? Is it money? Well, we keep hearing it's about premierships, right? Right now, he is in pole position to win one with the Broncos. But my fear is the fact that Payne hasn't committed to this and hasn't locked it down, he could actually derail that premiership tilt for this year. Because I said to Corey Parker five minutes ago, well, what message does this send to his teammates? We are on the verge of something special here, boys. But guess what? I'm not all in. Well, not after next year. Again, how much money does it take? And is he worth more to the Broncos than Darren Lockyer ever was? Something I'll put to Scott Sattler very shortly. Also, Monday briefings with Graham Annesley. Are they a waste of time or... Are you a fan? Do you want the explanation or would you rather not know what happened with those calls to your team over the weekend? 13-13-55. Little's free here. He's got no-one in front of him apart from Gutherson. Uh, Clint comes across the top, throws his arms across in top, on top of the ball, the other arm around the, around the body. But the action of Clint in this, uh, by raking the ball... And uh, dispossessing a little
3: uh, means that the tackle count should have restarted and that should have been a try. I stand up here on a pretty regular basis and talk about how difficult it is to judge passes, and I don't think any logical observer um, or reasonable observer would look at that and say it's not a forward pass. So, in our view, it's a forward pass. If these things get missed, um, they're never acceptable. Uh, but um, we can't change them. They've they've taken place. The only way to stop those consequences, the only way to avoid having the arguments about consistency with the way the match officials deal with those, is for them not to happen.
2: That was just a slice, and yes, we had to speed it up, but it is a bit like Benny Hill, isn't it? That's why we brought in the Benny Hill music every Monday morning. It's a comedy show, but again, if it wasn't so serious, it would be funny. Yeah, we got it wrong. But what happens? What changes? Does anything change? From a fan's point of view, do you want to know if the ref got it wrong? 13-13-55. Does Graham Manersley need to do his briefings? Or should he just keep it in-house? Should he just tell the coaches and give them a phone call, ring Wayne, ring Ricky, uh, ring Brad Arthur, everyone who got absolutely caned by bad decisions on the weekend, and say, Sorry, boys, we got this one wrong. Not going to change anything. You're not going to get the two points back. We can't replay the game, but just to let you know that we know we got it wrong and we're going to try and do better. I'm all for the transparency. I really am. And I do want to know if refs get it wrong, if the game has got it wrong. We're all humans. It's not about pointing blame as such because we do make mistakes. That's what humans do. But I want to find out from you today, Graham Annesley's Monday briefings, are you a fan? Do you need them? Do you want them? Would you rather not know? Would you rather just talk about it amongst your mates and go, this is what, got, this is what happened, I reckon this, I reckon that. But when he comes out and tells you, yeah, we got it wrong, or we got it right, do you need it? 131355 0467 736 736. Again, putting that to Scott Sattler. One thing I did miss was the memo uh, about send offs, but pa- apparently there is no crackdown. Oh, no, not a crackdown, according to Graham Annesley. That was in part of his briefing. Um, I reckon the teams missed the memo. Oh, I know I did, because those send offs on the weekend, where the hell did they come from? What constitutes a send off? When should it be used? I think that's something we – and you know what? I'll start putting a list together and probably compile it and send it to Graham Manersley because I'm confused. I thought I knew what a send-off was. I thought I knew, but now I'm not so sure after the weekend. This is where I need your help. Do you know what constitutes a send-off? Or no, let me rephrase that. When should a player be sent off? Give me the examples. We'll put them together because what we saw over the weekend, no way in hell should Waker have been sent off. Nathan Brown been sent off. No. Kennedy him from Parramatta in the NRLW, yes, she should have been sent off. That was a pile driver. That was WWE type stuff coming into rugby league. That's when a send-off is warranted. But not Waker, no way. Or, or Nathan Brown. It's a collision sport. It's just part of footy, what happened there. Maybe, just maybe I could be comfortable. Oh, I'd have to I'd have to wriggle around a bit for a ten minutes in the bin for that, but not a send-off. No 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 no. Uh, look, we're not all bitching and moaning today, which is good. We are going to celebrate some success. Uh, we will be coming into the Lions' Den. Yeah? They won the hardest road trip in the comp, Brisbane to Perth. It was a narrow win. It was a tight win. Uh, what does that mean coming into this weekend, Saturday, at the Gabba against the Adelaide Crows, who again are fighting for their season, just like the Dockers were on the weekend. So it's almost finals like footy. For Brisbane, at least that's the way their opponents are attacking it. I'll take you inside the Lions and find out who will be back for this week and what the fallout and the the review was like on the flight home uh, from uh, WA. I've got doubles to give away to this weekend's game, the Lions and the Crows. We've got the uh, quiz. Are you a quiz whiz? We'll be doing that after 11 o'clock today. But the number you need to be part of Queensland Sports' Biggest Conversation, 13 0467 736 736. We'll get to the open line, but before we do, let's do this.
1: And now, time for Ben's Snap
2: Judgment. The Matildas, Woken, the sleeping giant of Australian sport. That, that's my question to you today. On the back of last night's result, on the back of the results we've seen at the World Cup, and the results not only on the pitch, but in our living rooms, the numbers, the eyeballs, people watching this, it is blowing all ratings away. Four million the last time they played against Canada. What was last night? Well, those rating figures will be dropping very shortly. I'll bring them to you when they do come in. But have and are we seeing a change of the Australian sporting landscape? What I'm about to say, it feels like, it feels like I'm about to shoot Bambi. The Matildas have not woken the sleeping giant of australian sport they haven't and they won't just like the socceroos didn't in 2005 or 2006 when they played in the world cup or or 2010 or 2014 or 2018 or, or 2022 or when Ange postacoglu's team won the asian cup that was huge for soccer in this country australia won the asian cup in 2015 you remember that yeah thought so So why does the sport played by more people in this country than any other struggle to gain traction at the elite level? Why does the majority fail to rule? The majority. You know that soccer has the highest participation rate of this country of any sport. The Australian Sports Commission's official OzPlay survey has shown that soccer is once again the most popular sport played here. 1.1 million people in this country play soccer. 1,154,153 to be exact. Followed then by which sport? Tennis? Cycling? No, try golf. Golf is the next most popular sport by participation numbers. That's at 740,000. Aussie Rules is next. Just under 700,000 participants playing Aussie Rules in this country. And then what sport? Swimming, cycling, running? No, tennis. 648,000. So there's the top four. Soccer, 1.1 million. Golf, Aussie Rules, tennis. So you're not on your Pat Malone if you or your family are involved in soccer in this country. And it's you I'd especially love to hear from on 13 13 why can't soccer get traction in this country? Or do you think the events of the last three weeks will, will change this? Three weeks ago, Vince Rigari, who's been covering the round ball game for, for more than a decade, he, he wrote in the Brisbane Times, as a football nation, Australia ticks just about every box. We play it more than any other sport. Tick. We consumes, We consume overseas content voraciously. Tick. We adore our biggest superstar, Sam Kerr, one of the highest profile athletes that we have. Maybe the best since Cathy Freeman. Tick. Every time the national teams are playing for something big, they normally win and we support them. Socceroos, Matildas, tick, tick, tick. Hell, there's even an Aussie now coaching in the Premier League. In Ange, we trust. It's ticking all the boxes. There was a chopper. Up at Matilda's training to see if Sam Kerr, which I can't remember the last time the TV stations did that. Maybe a grand final in the NRL. The chopper went up behind closed doors to see if the Melbourne Storm was. No, the Roosters, Cooper Cronk, was he training with his busted shoulder? It's ticking all the boxes, yet what? Why can't soccer in this country gain traction? Or has that changed the last three weeks? Your kids, your grandkids, in in watching the Matildas, have they said, we want to play soccer now. Vince, in his article three weeks ago in the Brisbane Times, he goes on to give a quick dose of realism as administered, in his words, by Dr. Potts to Coglu. Barely a ripple, said Ange, after the Socceroos won the Asian Cup in 2015. What about, what will this World Cup do for the sport? Dunno, said Ange. And why is this? This is the question I want to answer today. Is it because we're all rounders? We we, we love big events. We love to support all sports. I mean, a week and a half ago, we were infatuated by the Ashes. Now it's the World Cup. Basketball World Cup's at the end of this month. Rugby World Cup then kicks in. We'll be staying up and watching it, even though the Wallabies mightn't have much of a chance. We'll be staying up watching it. Then there's the NRL and AFL finals. Uh, We'll have a Cricket World Cup before the year is out. We're goldfish. We're fascinated by the next big, shiny thing, but that's okay because we can support all sports. Is that why soccer is not gaining traction in this country? I mean, look at the World Cup last year with the Socceroos in Qatar. Whatever happened to the Grey Wiggle? He was front-page news eight months ago, nine months ago. What then? Same thing happened to John Aloisi in 2005 after he kicked that penalty to launch us into the first World Cup in my lifetime. And at that time, and I may have shared this story with you before, that next day we went down to Broncos training because headlines on every morning breakfast show in every newspaper was the soccer ruse. and the question was asked, has the sleeping giant of Australian sport awoken? 2005 this was. I remember Gordon Tallis, our Broncos training, said, no nah, this won't change a thing." Really, Gordy? Why? He said, "We'll have a look at round. We're at Red Hill. We're at Fultra Road. We've got kids here at training. Families come down here all the time. We go sign autographs. They sign jerseys. They can touch us. They can feel us. We can take photos. They can touch us. They can feel us. They can see us on a daily basis." You're not seeing Harry Kewell, Mark Viduka i seeing them on a daily basis. And that was the big issue. The biggest stars in soccer are playing in Europe in the middle of the night. If you're that dedicated to get up and watch the EPL or, or, or whatever league they might be playing in, wherever they are scattered around the world, at 2am, 3am, 4am in the morning, that's it. You can't get to touch your stars. That's why the sleeping giant remains in hibernation. What if they win it? Or what if they make the final? Does that change? Remember the Wallabies in 2003? Eddie Jones' team against England, Johnny Wilkinson in that field goal. We made a Rugby World Cup final, sorry, we made a World Cup final on our home soil. And what's happened to rugby since then? It's fallen off a cliff. Where are all the eight-year-olds, the 10-year-olds back in 2003, 20 years ago, where are they now? Because they should have been inspired by the Wallabies and they should be this generation of Wallabies who are absolutely knocking the door down in world rugby. But they're not. Why? Where did it all go so wrong? Can Football Australia learn from the mistakes that rugby made? What are those mistakes? Is it at the grassroots level? Is it at the elite level? Is it because they decided to get a quick sugar hit and take an offer from a rival TV network and now get stuck behind a paywall, stand for rugby or Optus Sport or Paramount for the A-League and football, soccer? The A-League won't magically sprout wings and get, what, tens of thousands of people turning up to weekly games, club games through the gate or the hundreds of thousands watching on TV, not not after what the Matilda's done, or will they? Are you inspired at your place? Will this change your habits, your patterns, who you support, what you support? I don't think so. I'm basing that on history. Maybe I've got it all wrong. 131355 55 0467 736 736. Uh, and just before you come at me with The whole Women's World Cup and what it does for females and sport. In the last 22 minutes, I have not mentioned gender once.
1: Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus.
2: Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited.
1: Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This This is Mornings mornings with Ben Davis Davis on SENQ. Oh, oh, taken no. there by Crichton, and Crichton is away. It's a foot race, the pursuit is on. It's Crichton versus Munster, versus Cherry Evans. He's got open pass. Oh! Oh! across a scott sattler
2: impersonation what a tackle well we don't have to do a scott sattler impersonation like dce no we've got the real thing on the air right now (laughs) the host of sports day sats good morning to you i said to sam i said get mate get the tackle out for sats and that's the one he got out so
4: (laughs) (laughs) oh glad for i'm glad for cherry he can take the mantle now he deserves it after 300 games and now becomes a great
2: origin captain. How are you, Benjamin? Uh, mate, I'm very well, but I'm also perplexed. I'm in the mood for asking questions. I'm in the mood for yep. trying to find things out. Actually, just on what we've been talking about, Sat, So, coming from a sports lover like you, the, the sleeping giant of Australian sport, it, it's soccer. There's more participants in this country than any other sport playing soccer. Has that sleeping giant awoken now because of the Matildas and a home World Cup? Oh, well, I think it's, it's
4: awoken... For the time being, um, I think what we are guilty of as Australians, and there's nothing wrong with it, I suppose it's a little bit like sporadic saturation. So what I mean by that is sporadically we get these big events like the Ashes is played and yeah. and the World Cup of netball and the World Cup of, of football and and everyone buys in and, and gets behind it. And that's why we're so passionate about our sport Australia that we, you know, a, a large portion of our population don't actually support a team or a sport they just support the country so the sporadic saturation i think is something we love as an australian community where we can just get together and get behind something and then when it finishes well we just we move on to the next one what's the next event that we can try and support you know i feel sorry for the world the diamonds i mean they're just not a world champion they've become the world yeah. champions and and unfortunately it's in a, a pretty bad time zone in south africa and we've we've all been behind the Matildas and they've just won a world, a world championship, a world cup. So, um, yeah, I think sporadic saturation is what we love as Australians, Benny. And, um, and then I don't, I don't think it has awoken because I think what you touched on was when you said you saw Gordy Tallis down at Red Hill. I, I think it, that it's the nail on the head because it seems though that AFL and rugby league players are tangible because the best players in those sports, especially AFL the country that's played in, but yeah, the best players in those sports are here. Um and even with cricket as well, they're here and you can reach out and you can touch them. They're so tangible. But you know, I I look at players like Sam Kerr and you feel as though that they're not real because well, I mean, we haven't really heard her do any interviews over the last three weeks. Yeah. Um, and we love her from a from afar and what she does um, with the EPL over in England, but we don't feel as though she's real because we actually can't reach out and and, and see whether she's real and and see her in our in our community. So I think that's why why rugby league and AFL and cricket uh, has been so attractive to the to Australian sporting fan because you can just rock up at any given stadium or mm. or training facility and go and watch them train and get a photo and get a and get an autograph whatever it may be. Whereas the best players in soccer football have to go overseas to play.
2: Yeah, and it, the same you could you could insert basketball there where the, our best yeah. players are, are playing in the in the NBA or overseas leagues as well. I'm sure there's there's a host of sports that 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 uh, that uh, delves into. Mate, oh, I reckon you I reckon you may have nailed it there. Now nail me this mm-hmm. Monday briefings with Graham Annesley, fan. Love it. Not? Oh yeah, yeah, love it. Why I love it. I mean, it feels pretty empty if you're a club that's
4: on the receiving end of a, a pretty bad call. Yeah. But what I do like about it is that for so many years, there has been something that's that has gone wrong with the game. There could be a decision on the field, whatever it may be. And in years gone by, everyone in the NRL has gone and hidden their offices and no one's been held accountable for it. And no one's been willing to be accountable for it. But oh, I like that Ray Mannersley is willing to put the flak jacket on and turn up every Monday and, we all look for someone to blame. We don't know who to blame, but we're looking for someone to blame. And everyone's saying, oh, a referees should have to do a post-match press conference as well. I don't think that's the answer. Uh, but Graham Anisla, I've got to say, I, I, I take my hat off to a man who's willing to go out there in front of the rugby league media and the rugby league community and say, you know what, as a game, we've got some things wrong. But I think we've got to also understand that when you talk about rugby league, there's so many moving parts. No one is ever going to be perfect. And I know technology should make us closer to being perfect and it has brought us closer to being as perfect as possible but it's never going to be 100% foolproof but I I like the briefings I like the the behind some of the decisions because quite frankly we all think we know the game back to front but when actually you read the interpretations Benny we actually sometimes get it wrong and most oftentimes we get it wrong and it it takes someone like Graham Annersley who has been a a great student of the game for many, many years as an official and administrator to, to say, hey, no, the actual interpretation says yes, this, but it may not be right sometimes, but this is what the interpretation says. So I don't mind it. I'm a
2: fan of it. Sats, it's almost that age-old question and insert whatever subject you like. It do you want to know? Do you want to know why something went wrong? Because it, even though you can't change it, even though we can't take it back, even though it will change nothing, do you want to know? And I think as humans, we do. We do want to know the answer for whatever it is. Why did our relationship break down? God, this has taken me back to a teenager and in my 20s. You know, I know I can't change anything, but why? Why are you breaking up with me? It's almost like that every Monday. You you want to know, yet you know there's nothing you can do to to, to change it. Uh, Speaking of changing things, Payne Haas, him knocking back this offer if it's an extension from the Broncos and wanting to test the open market, does that change things for his team and teammates? No,
4: because every player knows that this is not only a passion rugby league, but it's also, it's a job and you've got to, everyone understands that if you're going to go in the open market, that you, one, you've got to be a player that's willing to be able to shut it out. You've got to have the maturity, the psychological maturity to be able to shut that out. And, I don't know Payne well enough to know whether he can shut that out. He seems to be able to shut it out. Yeah. But as a player, you, you you tend to you tend to understand, and and everyone seems to think that at training everyone's talking about it. Everyone's talking about it training. No one talks
2: about it. No, but everyone is, just gets it, on
4: with training. But isn't
2: that the thing, Sats? They might be talking about it, but damn right they'll be thinking about it. I reckon you can go to yeah. any workplace in, in the country and if something like this is happening, it might not be with Packet, but it might be with someone getting a promotion over someone else. You mightn't be talking about it, but but you'll be thinking about it. my my, 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 my thing with it, my thing with it is the biggest deal ever put on the table to a Broncos player, and he goes, No, nah, I reckon I could do better. And better where, better how, but bet more more money. Uh, is, does he want to go to a different club? They're the questions I'm asking myself if I'm a Broncos player. Why? What what, what can you get for 1.3 million? You can't get for 1.1 million in life. I, I, I don't know. I'm
4: looking at I'm looking at it from purely from Payne Haas's perspective. Now I hate it when players say, well, not the really players, but their managers say he wants to go to a club to win a premiership. Well, you should be the player at that club that you're at. that turns changes the legacy of of your involvement at that club and and win a premiership while you're there. Don't go to a club and try and stockpile clubs that have that are always playing top four. So they've got a great window at the moment the Brisbane Broncos for the next four or five years, I think, to win a yeah. comp. Yeah. But you want to win it as soon as possible. But with Payne, there's so many options open to him, Benny and I can see why his manager is doing it. One, I think what I would assume is really important to him is that is that whether his mother's going to be incarcerated, he would want to be close to from a visitation point of view. So that would be one thing. That would be one thing. And then um, the next thing is, well, Rugby Union will be interested in him. Rugby Union will be interested in him. So uh, he needs to We'll let the season play out there and see whether that's a potential option. Because if they're throwing around figures like 1.6 for Joseph Suali'i, well... Yeah, there's a chance that Payne Huster would be an amazing number eight in rugby. Does he get the same sort of money? Or if the Brisbane Broncos do win a comp this year, there's the possibility for him to say, well, I've won a comp now. Now I'm just going to go and chase an extra $200,000, $250,000 somewhere else. Or if we don't win a comp at the Brisbane Broncos come the first weekend of October, if they make it, um, well, I want to stay here and try and play with these guys and, and change that you know, change that, um, that legacy. So mm. yeah, there's so many options that are open to Payne Husk because he is a major commodity and he's got the ability just to, to play the market at the moment in both codes. So it, um, it doesn't surprise me. And I would have been surprised if he would have signed it to be quite honest, Benny, but if on the Broncos, we don't know what conversations he's having behind closed doors with the manager. He may be saying, listen, there's no sweat. Don't worry about it. We just need to get the season played out. Or, they're laying like crocodiles. And if they are, well, as a Bronco official, I'd, I'd be a little bit concerned.
2: Really good points, Sats. Really good points. Before I let you go, uh, do you know what constitutes a send-off now? I'm confused.
4: No, I don't. Yeah. I don't. I'm a little bit concerned that, from all reports, the NRL didn't send a mandate to each of the clubs to say, hey, listen, we know we've been giving 10 minutes, but now we're going to start sending players off. Now, the response from the NRL is, you just got to lower your target. And I do agree with that. The one question I always ask, Benny, if someone is sent off is, or thin-binned is, did you have another option? Could have you bent your back and just got underneath the ball? Because the game has actually built a bit of a rod for their own back here, Benny. They don't reward good technique like the Jake Trebojevic's. They don't reward those low tackles anymore. So why tackle low? Um, so... Unfortunately, they build a bit of a rod for their own back here. The NRL. How they change that now is is by sending people off, and unfortunately, it's 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 hurting sides to go down to 12 men. Um, yeah, I, I I just feel as though that uh, I just feel as though we're going probably too far right. Um, until we start rewarding really good technique, Benny, we're going to continue to
2: get players tackling up around the ball and the shoulders. Well said, mate. Well said. And then we start waving the big stick at the wrong end. Uh, Sats, we'll catch you tonight on Sports Day. Can I wait with that with you and uh, the Rat? Appreciate your time this morning, 13-13-55. Uh, the Titans, they've got a double header next week. That's right, when they're back at home. The NRL Panthers, the NRL WV, the Roosters, grab your tickets today.
1: Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ.
5: Well, I was I was actually going to play last game, but the girls smashed it, so they didn't need me. And then I thought, oh, we might as well give it a rest. And then um, even today, there was the the opportunity that I wouldn't play if you know the girls smashed it, but we thought it was best for me and the team. And um, the girls absolutely killed it. I'm so proud of them. And me coming on personally, it was yeah big relief after a big three weeks.
2: Yeah, there we go. Sam Kerr after last night's, well, cameo to uh, end of the Matildas win 2-0 over Denmark. Um, For the 15 minutes that she was on or there, thereabouts, did you just hold your breath the the whole time going, oh, Sam, really, do do you need to come on? We've got this in the bag. We're up 2-0. I know it's the most dangerous scoreline in, in football, but really, do we need to risk her? She got through. Although there was that fall where she did the splits and fell awkwardly. Again, heart-in-the-mouth stuff. Uh, We've got until uh, Saturday evening to turn around. I'm just having a look here uh, at the ratings that have come through. I said I'd bring you these numbers. Uh, The Matildas have knocked off the AFL and NRL Grand Finals plus State of Origin. Whoa. More than 3.5 million watched on channel seven last night. Uh wow, that was including streaming. So on channel seven three point one on seven plus three hundred and eighty five thousand. It is breaking records all over the place. So will the sleeping giant of Australian sport awake? 1313550467736736 it's the question i've been asking all morning i, I want to hear from you if you are one of the 1.1 million people who play football in this country who play soccer in this country it is the most played sport in australia yet why doesn't the majority rule why doesn't it get more traction We've seen the Socceroos win the Asian Cup. We've seen them be in World Cups since 2006. Why doesn't it catch on? Text from Murray. He said, Ben, there's a hint of truth in Gordon Tallis's words. While the other codes say league and AFL bask in a protected cocoon week in and week out, they still remain the superior product with the stars being here and not being the best in what they do playing overseas and plying their trade there. Murray, thank you. Uh, Jason says, uh, Ben, the giant was never asleep. The Matildas are well and truly awake. Jace, thank you for your text listening in. 131355 0467 736 736. Let's go straight to a man who knows this inside and out. And he might have some words of wisdom for Football Australia and how they actually could cash in on the Matildas' success. Uh, Simon Hill, he is the voice of the game. He's the host of the Global Game. Simon, very good morning. It's always a good morning after Australia win in any sport, isn't it?
3: Good morning. Well, speaking as an Englishman, I'd uh, exclude the cricket from that. uh, Yes, it's a good morning.
2: Yeah, come on, mate. (laughs) You're you're, you're here now. You're one of us. Come on. You bleed green and gold.
3: (laughs) Not Uh, in cricket. (laughs) Not as as I breathe.
2: (laughs) Uh, Okay, well, then, uh, what if semi finals, the Lionesses and the Matildas collide?
3: I will be watching as a fan. (laughs) (laughs) All
2: right. Well, well, let's, let's, before we get into last night and the nuts and bolts of that, the the question I'm asking, and you just heard that, the, the sleeping giant of Australian sport, how does Football Australia, how does the FFA cash in on this? How do they make that next step? Say what rugby didn't do when we had a home World Cup here in 2003 and we're beaten by England. But anyway, move on from that. What lessons can be learned? What needs to be done to, to cash in on this and grow the popularity of of, sport, of the sport to the next level?
3: Well, first of all, let's uh, differentiate. Um, Football Australia runs the national teams and grassroots around the country. So at the moment, they're doing a pretty good job. Um, the national teams are doing very well. The, the Socceroos, of course, as well as the Matildas, reached uh, the knockout phase of the Men's World Cup last year. Uh, they've got sponsorship deals in place. We've got participants coming out of our ears, mm-hmm. more, more than we know what to do with, to be honest. So the Football Australia's part of the equation is pretty much ticked. The missing part of the jigsaw is support for the game at domestic level. Now that no longer falls under the auspices of Football Australia because they no longer run it. Uh, that comes under the uh, the direction of the APL, the Australian Premier Leagues, who run both the men's and a, uh, women's A League competition. Now this is where the uh, you know the disconnect is at its greatest um, because uh, whilst we have a functioning uh, professional league in both men's and women's and it you know, has success to a certain degree, we don't have uh, mainstream cut-through, and uh, we don't have enough people that go and watch the games every week in the stadiums or in terms of TV eyeballs. So, you know, th- that's the problem that we have to fix. If only a fraction of the amount of people we've seen filling the stadiums right across the country for this Women's World Cup were to turn up on a regular basis to watch the A-League men's or women's or both, then uh, we would be, at the very least, on a par with rugby league in terms of crowds um, and probably you know, maybe a bit less in terms of TV eyeballs. But that is the disconnect that we have to fix. It's It's been a decades-long problem. It's not an easy fix. Some of it's cultural. Uh, some of it's internal poor administration and factionalism. Um, And some of it is, you know, the media, uh, to be honest, and that's not a crack at the media uh, generally. It's the fact that, uh, you know, the the big uh, companies, uh, particularly News Corp, uh, invest their money these days exclusively in, you know, rugby league, in Aussie rules, cricket, and they own 60, 70 percent of the mainstream media. So, of course, they're going to promote those sports. Uh, so we lose out in that regard. Obviously, the Women's World Cup is too big for them to ignore, so it's getting a lot of traction at the moment. But the big question is: once the circus leaves town, which it will do in a week or two's time, uh, what is the longer-term legacy of this competition for our sport? Uh, and I've argued that I, you know, I, I have concerns that once it stops and we saw this with the asian cup in 2015 australia won the competition antipostokoglu and all of that and they they were the nation's darlings and our crowds and ratings dropped off a cliff two weeks afterwards when the a-league started so that's what we have to guard against uh, what the solutions are that's for better brains than mine but um yeah, it's, uh, it's a thorny problem and, um, you know, hopefully this time they've got some solutions in place.
2: Well, Simon, I think you've just cut my next question off at the knees, but you've been around the game so long and you've just mentioned the, the problems and the issues, the hurdles they face. If you were in charge of the APL, what would be your first mission? What would be the first thing you could do to to rectify or at least get it on the right track of getting those crowds, of getting eyeballs on, on the TV screens?
3: Well, look, I mean, I would hope, and it's entirely possible they've done this, of course, that throughout the course of this Women's World Cup, they are looking at ways of piggybacking on not only the Matilda's success, but as I've said, the, you know, the, the huge crowds around the country. Now, you know, let, let's take one country as an example. Uh, when when Colombia played Germany, a lot of people... You know, wrote publicly, wow, you know, listen to the atmosphere in this place. It was phenomenal. There were 40,000 inside the stadium in Sydney, I think it was. Um, and 80% of those supporters, I will guarantee, have not flown all the way from Colombia. Yeah, There might be a small proportion that have, have flown in, but the vast majority will be uh, people of Colombian or South American heritage uh, who live in this country who have got on board because they identify with their country of heritage or 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 some lineage with that part of the world they are there to be tapped they obviously love football um, but you've got to make them feel an identity a connection with your local club now there there are many ways of doing that of course back in the day when i was a kid growing up in manchester in northern england and i know it's a very different country i know football's number one over there but i'm just using this as an example Uh, They started Manchester City My Club, a junior supporters club, and I was one of the first members of that club, number 596, I still remember the number. So I was one of the first thousand to sign up, and every week uh, they would have what they call branch meetings where you could meet the players. They sent out scarves, they sent out uh, membership packs, they sent out autograph books and photos and all sorts of things and that all helped to cement that connection. That, to be fair, I already had because of my father, but it helped to cement it for me and ensure that that was not just my club for the moment, but remained so for life. And I, I'm not sure, and I might be doing, you know, the, the clubs a disservice. I'm not sure they do, <clears throat> excuse me, enough of that, particularly when faced with, you know, such competition that we have in this country from rugby league, Aussie rules, rugby union, cricket, etc. So, you know, they have to work very hard at not only attracting the community, um, but getting them to become rusted on fans. Uh, Cheaper tickets would certainly be a way of uh, of helping, maybe some help with transport for those who live in the outer areas, say, of Sydney or Melbourne or Brisbane. Um, I'm sure that there are multiple ways that you can attract the fans. Because clearly, having watched this Women's World Cup, and we see this on big occasions anyway with Grand Finals, soccer games, the football fans are there. They are just waiting to be tapped into. Unfortunately, our domestic leagues have not done it quite well enough as yet.
2: You are listening to the dulcet tones of Simon Hill, the host of the global game, the voice of football in this country. Um, Simon, I'll tell you who does do that what you've just mentioned is the AFL and the Auskick program. Any parent listening knows that the Auskick program comes into their schools. The kids get a water bottle, a backpack, um, ask who their favourite team is, and and they learn how to kick a Sharon in, in Brisbane. Like that's what? That's unheard of. Not in the Southern States, but here. So... AFL is doing exactly what you said about getting in the juniors, getting them in early, getting the kids in. Even Rugby League is under threat. I know Ben Eichen, the head of the QRL, is meeting with the NRL, if not today, in the next 24 hours, asking, asking for more grants, more money to actually combat that. So I reckon, I reckon you've, you've, you've nailed something. Get the kids involved. And once you get kids involved, you've got the parents uh, as well. All right, last night, did you like what you saw last night? Or is there room for improvement for the Matildas?
3: I think it was difficult not to like what you saw last night. Um, they were very comfortable. Um, the only caveat I would say is that there are probably bigger tests to come, uh, which will probably start with France, um, providing they beat Morocco in uh, their round of 16 game today in Adelaide. Um, so that's going to be a bigger test for them. But uh, no, by and large, they were very, very good last night. controlled the game, uh, maybe less so in the, in the first half. Um, so there's, there's still, you know, the odd question here and there about the defence. To be fair, they weren't uh, put under any great pressure by the Danes last night. I thought we were very disappointed. Panila Harle probably uh, an exception, mm. uh, but overall, I think we're split in hairs. Um, you, you can only beat what's in front of you, and the Matildas were uh, very comfortable, as I say, last night. I think that was probably their. Uh, I don't know whether you call it the best performance of the tournament because they were very good against Canada as well. But uh, it's, certainly they, they're growing very nicely into this tournament after that uh, that early shock against Nigeria.
2: Mary Fowler something, isn't she? She scored the only goal the last time we played France and it was 1-0 uh, in the in the warm-up, in the mm-hmm. friendly. But the, the, the balls that she set up for for Hayley and then for um, for Caitlin, they were sublime, weren't they?
3: Yeah, she's a terrific footballer. Um, and in many ways, I'll, you know, probably a heresy for saying this, but, you know, she offers something uh, a little bit different to Sam Kerr and probably suits the way Matilda's played because she can drop off that front line and, you know, pick the ball up from the midfielders or the defenders. And, and because of her uh, sublime touch and her balance and her awareness of, of where her teammates are, she can turn it and play those pads um, you know she's inside her own half of the field when she set up Caitlin Ford for the opener yesterday. Uh, now Sam Kerr is a different type of at number nine. Obviously we all know that, and uh, you know I have no doubt that when when Sam is ready she'll she'll be in from the off because she's uh, you know she's the talisman of the team. But uh, Mary Fowler, I think you've got to find a place for her because she is the future. In all honesty, for the Matilda. she's you know still only twenty years old. Uh, she's probably got two or even three World Cups left in her. So. Um, she was very, very good last night. And Caitlin Ford and Hayley Razzo, uh, you know, deserve mention as well for their play, particularly on the wings. Um, you know, pace is something that you can't coach. And Australia have that. Yeah.
2: Um,
3: and it's difficult to defend.
2: In spades. Uh, do you start, Sam, Saturday night? Or do you let her inject off the bench to be a game changer, as, uh, as Tony would like to say?
3: Well, personally, I would start her on the bench. A, to give that calf as much time as possible to heal fully. And, and you're right, You know, we had that moment last night where she went over awkwardly and you thought, oh, uh, that could be a concern. Now, thankfully, she got up and she was okay. Uh, but sometimes you can you know, re-injure yourself. It's good that she got some minutes in her legs last night. But they played so well with Mary Fowler as, as that number nine or false nine, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I'd be tempted to, to stick with that from the off. You, you've always got Sam there, you know, if required for the last half an hour or so, um, and, and keep her fresh for any potential semi-final against England, where, of course, you know, she plays her club football and knows all of those uh, players really well. I'm assuming, of course, that England are going to win their course of final, and that's by no means a done deal, given their poor performance last night. Yeah. Um, but if it is Australia England in the semi then you know sam kerr would be looking at that one thinking yeah that that's uh you know that's the game i want to be involved in because i know those players
2: either way it is great to be talking about green and gold success and it is something that we are as a nation so proud of it doesn't matter the team or the sport it's right now. It is the Matildas. Uh, we will be cheering them on Saturday. Uh, Simon, thank you. Uh, looking forward to hearing from you before the uh, the tournament is out as well. I uh, appreciate your words of wisdom. Uh, Simon Hill, the host of the Global Game, uh, the voice of football in this country. And for an Englishman, not a bad bike. How about that? It's 19 minutes past 10. I wonder if he was still on the line and heard that. Um, the quiz coming up at 11. I've already given you two of the answers, or one answer, but Two names. Let me see. Let me go through this. Who else? Who else? Who else? Uh, Here we go. Mitch Marsh. Not going to give you the question, but that is one of the answers you'll need. We've got a double to give away to the Lions and the Crows this Saturday at the Gabbit. You can't get tickets to the Matildas. They are sold. In fact, sold out before the Matildas won that game last night. So it was a sellout. Hey, actually, if you're going to that game, if you're going to... Uh, the Women's World Cup on Saturday, give me a shout. How, how easy or hard was it to get tickets? And did you preempt the Matilda's making it this far? And this was the game you were signalling, you were trying to get your finger on? 13 13 I want to hear your story. 13 13 0467 736 736. Uh, the other game in town at that time is the Lions cries. I'll take you inside the Lions then before 11 o'clock. Uh, and that answer again, Mitch. March. 20 minutes past 10.
1: Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This, this is Mornings, Mornings with, with Ben Davis, Davis ben. on SENQ.
2: Way out of west, the weather ain't no fall. Got a job with a company you're drilling for. Just to make some change.
5: Living
2: out of working on the land. Well, way out west indeed. It's where we saw a doubleheader in Perth on the weekend. Forty-five, forty-six thousand 45, 46,000 turning up for that doubleheader at Optus Stadium. Is that where NRL expansion should go? I know we've spoken about this before, but in, in light of that, 46,000 turning up to see uh, the Dolphins and Knights play. Uh, the Bunnies in action as well. What do you think? 18th team uh, and the fact they've got two more origins there 2015 and uh, it's 2015 uh, 2025 and uh, 2028 they're locked in is this a step forward we know an 18th team is coming in the NRL could they be heading west 1313 13, 55 0467 736 736 i reckon it makes sense the broadcasters know it makes sense as well when you can specially roll in on a Saturday, three games back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, 7.30 kickoffs in every market, one in Auckland, one on the east coast of Australia and one on the west coast. It's easy for crowds, it's easy for families and it works beautifully for broadcasters. They would lap it up. They would love it. Uh, speaking of lapping it up, the quiz coming on at 11. I've given you some answers. Where's another one? Uh, Here's an answer. Four. Four. Yeah, Uh, you'll need that. We've got a double to give away to the Lions and Adelaide Crows on this weekend, Saturday afternoon. What, what What a massive weekend of sport we've got here just in Brisbane. Friday night, you've got the Broncos and Parramatta at the Gabba. Right now, the Broncos are training on the Gabba. The word coming through from a man on the ground there, Mitch Crone, my colleague at Channel 7, saying that Adam Reynolds is running with the main team, which is fantastic stuff. Uh, The Lions are going to be in action there 24 hours later, taking on the Crows, and then, of course, uh, the Matildas and the winner of uh, France and Morocco. But let's go inside the Lions' den. They've come back with the points. You're in a three-way tie for second spot on the ladder, jammed in between Melbourne and Port Adelaide. It's been a long trip back from the West. Jed Adcock is their defensive coach, and he joins me on the line now. Jed, good morning. Did you catch the red eye home, and was the flight easier after a win?
6: Uh, it was, a, Yes, it was better after a win, and no, we didn't catch the red eye. The theory around it, this year was being a six-day break, we're better off trying to get a good night's sleep um, for the players and then fly back through the day. So um, that was the theory. Um
2: Hopefully the players are feeling pretty good today. <laughs> Fingers crossed. We're about to find out when they when they get the, the training paddock. Um, we'll find out soon. Do, do you on a flight like that on the way home? Do, do the coaches do you, do you start your review? Then do you start looking at video? Do you do you talk about the game, or is it complete shut off to to try and at least defrag for I don't know six six hours?
6: Yeah. No. So as a as a team or as a group, we we pretty much ended that game after the game. Um, Going into a six-day break, you, you've got to try and move pretty quick. As a coaching group or as coaches, we clearly we reviewed the game um, on the flight. The players will still want to come in and watch their edits and and go through learnings and you know what they did well, what they didn't. From an individual point of view and from a line point of view, but from a whole team point of view, we pretty much moved on from that now and, and looking forward to to Adelaide. And we might show some stuff that's come out of the game for the. Pre Adelaide, but we won't review anything there today, based on um, on Fremantle.
2: Okay, it wouldn't be pretty watching. I would imagine the free game. <laughs> it, it, look, it was a win, but it was ugly, wasn't it?
6: Yeah. Well, it's yeah. It's it's always actually quite hard to go over there, um, and win. It's hard. It's a long trip, especially coming from Brisbane, of obviously as well. Um, Fremantle had a really good win the week before against Geelong, um, and they play they play a really good defense at that sets them up and from their defense they really try and slingshot you and we you know we probably had a few more chances and um and didn't quite capitalize but you know they 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 played well and made it hard and um it wasn't you know it's not the cleanest feeling in terms of from a ball movement or perfect defense or anything like that but that's footy and and that especially this competition it's 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 actually very tight and i think that the top eight races i think we're all seeing that now just how tight it is.
2: Well, that's the thing. You guys are sitting in a three-way tie for, for second. You're sandwiched in between Melbourne and, and Port Adelaide. Uh, I'll get onto the ladder in a second, but but just speaking to Dane Zorko last night, Jed, he yep. said, you know, the, the Dockers, very much like Adelaide this weekend, were they're playing for their season. They're, they're, they're playing to, to keep their finals hopes alive. So in a way, it's almost like that sudden death cutthroat footy finals coming early for you guys?
6: Well, I think pretty much from first till about, I'm I'm going to say about 15th, without looking at the ladder right now. Mm. Everyone's playing for something. You're either playing, you know, trying to get as high up the ladder as possible towards top four. You're trying to, and all the rest of the teams are pretty much trying to make the eight. Um, There's probably only mathematically a few teams that that can't make it now. So, and we've got, what have we got? Adelaide, Collingwood, St Kilda. So (laughs) it's not like we've got the easiest... Run home! Um, everyone's playing for something, um, so it is. It is. It's. You've got to be. You've got to be on. And as I said earlier, you, you, if you're not quite at your hundred um, percent as a group or as individual, you you know teams can quickly sneak up on you and and um, make it quite hard, or or uh, or get the win. So um, hopefully, you know, after grinding out a win like that, will. Um, be better for it
2: again come this week. Uh, We are inside the Lions Den with Jed Adcock, the defensive coach, and he's he's got to be pretty happy because his defensive unit owns the best defence in the comp. Over the last two weeks, it's been under pressure, uh, but they responded against Fremantle. Now Adelaide—they did a job on you just before the bye, Jed. How much do you look into that game, uh, and how much will you be uh, taking out of that to what happens here at the Gabba Saturday afternoon?
6: Yeah, we—if we, we actually go back to the game against Adelaide, and I'm sure you're watching it too, Benny. Like we—we we, based on how the game was played in numbers, we should have—we should have probably won the game. Um, in mm-hmm. terms of, if you're looking at it that way, we, we we actually felt like we played quite well. We just didn't capitalise on our inside fifties. We felt like we we set the ground up defensively really well. Um, we won territory. We got inside fifty enough times, and we just couldn't score. Um, might be based on a bit of our entry or based on how they defended. Um, but we will definitely look at that because um, teams don't generally tra- change too much what they're trying to do. Um we don't change a great deal. I'm sure most teams don't. So we'll look at that. We'll look at what Adelaide did to Gold Coast last week and, and the week before. Um as well. But you know, we, we pretty much try and stick to what we do and what we do well. Um and then, you know, potentially tinker here and there with
2: some Adelaide stuff but well, Jen, um, oh, just look just on that after that Adelaide loss and then you went into the bye and then if memory serves me right it was Hawthorne after the bye wasn't it which wasn't which was it was it was, uh, it was two losses either side of the bye but I reckon you were trying to reinvent yourselves a bit you know, getting that handball game getting that going it, it used to be kicks out of the back half with with Richie or Zorks but but just getting that handball movement, the epidemic which we've seen sweeping the game—that's that, that's what I saw in that period. That <laughs> there was a almost a reinvention of 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 a and getting used to something now, which you're doing quite well. Um, I wouldn't say reinvention at all. No,
6: we—it's always been part of our game. We've always talked about we we try and play from an offensive point of view. We we just take the best option and what's there. Mm. Um, we've we've probably started to utilize. Um, some weapons off the back half a little bit better than what we were at the start of the year in terms of Connor McKenna, um, Kitty, Darcy Wilmot, those types. And we, I mean, the good thing from a back half point of view is that our midfield has been really strong and generally been winning clearances and contested ball, which allows you to set up the ground really strongly. Um, And even from that, if they're winning the ball, it allows you to to start get a little bit of overlap and handball and, and that, but we don't we don't coach really the players to oh let's try and handle the ball more or kick the ball more or anything like that. We're more on trying to create enough options that allows them to do either, um, and then it's up to them to make that decision on on what what they do. That's pretty much it, really.
2: Y- your Irishman's been good for you this year, Connor McKenna. I know you've got a couple in the squad, but Connor's been yeah. a, he's been a fine, hasn't he?
6: It's been really nice to get him. Yeah, I guess when you. You know, you. I mean, I played against him at Essendon, but you, when you when you watch him on TV and you you see what they can do, and um, you don't really know too much more. And then to have two years away and come back, and it probably took him, you know, a, I don't want to say half a season, but you know, eight eight weeks or something to really find his groove and get back into the flow of AFL footy, and and also then understand how we want to play. So he's gone from how Essendon plays to then going to play Gaelic to then trying to come and work out how we. We play, and and he's been fantastic. Not only from an offensive point of view, but from a defensive point of view, he's actually um, really helped us with a couple of things that we've been working on through the off season. So um, he's been a real nice, handy addition, and he's a really good fella, which makes it a lot better again.
2: And he can give some good tips when it comes to race horses as well. Now, how's yeah, he, <laughs> he does? How's Kitty?
6: How's Kitty? Um, well, yeah, I, unsure to this this point, I haven't been to the club yet for about five days, so I haven't seen him. Um, We're pretty much just waiting for it to all settle down, and we're hoping today he might be able to do a bit of training. If he can do a bit of training today, then um, fingers crossed for the weekend, he might be
2: ready to go. What what was the injury, Jed? I mean, he he got a ball kicked into his eye, didn't he?
6: Yeah, so before that, he got poked in the eye, and then Mm. he got the ball to the eye. Um, So he just had a bit of swelling and blood um, in the eye that you need to settle. Um, I don't know the actual term of it or the um, exact injury, but that's about all I get told is that there was a bit of a swelling in blood and yeah. um, in the eye and you just need to let that settle. Otherwise, if it continues and lingers around, then I don't think it's a good outcome.
2: No, no, exactly. You can't be uh, playing Russian roulette with the, with your side. No. Um, what about the big O? Is he due back this week?
6: Once again, unsure. <laughs> unsure. I haven't, haven't well, been in the club I'm On the way in the club now, so... Um, yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah. So he's just that, that ankle, um, yeah. that he rolled. So, you know, we'll, we'll definitely find out if we have this conversation tomorrow, I'll we'll have a lot more answers for you. <laughs> we'll come on the show um, tomorrow. We'll do it then. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. even in an hour's time, I might have more info for <laughs> you, but I, I don't, I don't know. He's, I mean, we, we feel like we got, you know, we, with 40 there, we've got, um, a really good player in, in 40 anyway. So, um, yeah. If Oscar's ready to go, he's ready to go. If not, forties
2: more than capable of doing the job again. Well, mate, it's uh, it's going to be an absolute belter Saturday afternoon. I, I know there is another game on in town at, at that time across the uh, river at Suncorp Stadium, with the Matildas now booking their quarter quarter final. Uh, oh. But 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 that's all right. We can have a double celebration. We, we, we love yeah, it. Yeah, well, you can't. Yeah. Like, Brisbane's a big town.
6: You can't go to both, so you can't all fit into Suncorp. You all can't fit into Gabba, so I'm sure there's enough tickets to go around for everyone.
2: Well said, mate. We've got tickets to give away too. That's a very good cue. Oh, Jed, I'll let you get to training and answer some of those questions. Send me a text if you find <laughs> out, all right? I oh, will do, yeah. Thanks, Benny. Thanks for your time, mate. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Host Plus has been named Super Rating
1: Superfund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ.
2: I like it. Slam and Sam is lifting his game. Um, Yeah, Jamaica and Colombia tonight in the World Cup round of 16. And then the match straight after. That's at 6 o'clock tonight. Uh, And then at 8.30 our time, at 9 o'clock in Adelaide. Have I got that time right? Yeah, 8.30 our time. Uh, We have the French team up against Morocco and they will decide who Australia plays Saturday at Suncorp. Oh, no, we can't call it Suncorp Stadium, can we? Lang Park, Brisbane Stadium. Uh, That is in the Women's World Cup. Uh, Speaking of which, it was our getting question to this.
1: Ten questions. One winner. Time for Morning's Quiz Whiz. And now here's our very cheap version of Tony Barber. Betty Davis. (laughs)
2: Uh, It gets funnier every week, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, The 10 questions, we've made them a lot easier than last week, considering the quiz went for about 27 minutes last week. Quick game's a good game. But remember, if you're one of the first five callers through, you will get a second chance to ring back and try and be at the end of it. Or you never know. Remember we had the clean sweep? That was early on. The questions are a little easier. Uh, John is on the line. He had the trigger finger ready to go. He punched in the numbers. I reckon he's got it locked in his phone. John, very good morning to you. It's always a great morning after an Australian win. It doesn't matter what sport we're talking about, isn't it?
5: Absolutely, Ben. I couldn't agree more.
2: All right. Well, we're talking about the Matildas and the win here. Last night, can you name me one of the goal scorers for the Matildas against Denmark?
5: Caitlin Ford.
2: Caitlin Ford, yes. Nutmeg was a good goal too, wasn't it? And Mary Fowler set it up, that pace, Lord. that speed. Ripper. Hey, we just heard from the Lions' den. We heard from Jed Adcock. Um, question number two, John. Which Lions rookie recently suffered a season-ending knee injury? Willpower. Oh, no, no, no. John, I reckon you know the answer, but that was not not it. He was close, but he does get a second chance to come back at me. Uh, let's go to Ipswich. Chris, morning to you. Morning, Benny. How are you going, mate? Uh, mate, all the better from hearing from you. Brisbane Lions rookie, knee injury season ender. Who was it? Not. No, I'm mean, going to have to pass, Benny. That's something, mate. Oh. Throw it out there. Have a guess. Rising star. One of the... No, it wasn't humour cluggage. No, Chris, but don't worry, you you get a second chance. I thought we were making it easier this week. All right, the question is, which Brisbane Lions rookie recently suffered a season-ending knee injury? What was it, against Geelong too, I think. Uh, Douglas, good morning. G'day, mate. Mate, where do we find you this fine Tuesday? Well, I mean annually, but I'm actually just going to Sunnybank for some great Asian food. Oh. Good Man, yum cha! If you've ever been to Sunnybank, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, brilliant stuff. Great, and coming here lunchtime, I love it. I love it. All right, mate. Answer me this one: uh, The Brisbane Lions rookie recently suffered a season-ending knee injury. He was going so well oh, in his mate, first I wouldn't,
0: year. Oh, Jesus! I wouldn't have a clue, actually. Um, let me just think of a name. I can't even think of a name to throw out. I'm going to have to let it
2: go. Yeah, young gun, flying? No.
0: Yeah, no, I don't know him.
2: The All right. Second.
0: Let's just go second. Is there a second player?
2: <laughs> oh, no, there's no second, but hey, that's a good guess. That's a good guess. Hey, Doug, before you jump in and get that yum chart, give us a call back because you were the, only the third caller through, so still get a second bite it. All right, let's, uh, oh, let's head across the range. Justin, on the Darling Downs, good to hear from you, mate. There you going, Very well. Have you got the answer to this one? It's question number two. Oh,
7: yeah, mate. Lions support it through and through. And it's a travesty, but, yeah, Will Ashcroft, buddy.
2: Will Ashcroft, indeed. Sadly, we do not get to see him run around pilfering balls. And that We're hair. Yeah, we are, aren't we? We are. I know. Prince Charming. <laughs> <laughs> Prince Charming. I like that. I don't know that one. All right. Question number three. Uh, the Diamonds, our netball team, they won their 12th. World Cup in South Africa yesterday morning. Who did they beat?
3: Uh, England, mate.
2: They did indeed. The Roses off and running. Justin is flying here. Brisbane Broncos. They haven't played finals for a while. When was the last time they made it to September? When was the last final series they played in?
0: Oh, this one's going to be a guess.
3: Um, uh, Mate, I'm
2: Going to have to say, I think about 2016. No, not 2016. But Justin, you do get a second bite at that. All right, let's go to our fifth caller, standing by. Uh, Yarns. Good morning. Morning. How you going, mate? Very well. Very well. Can you remember the last time the Broncos played in the finals? Because that's the question. What year was it?
5: 2014. No, 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 not
2: 2014. Remember, they played the Cowboys in the grand final 2015. So it hasn't been that long. I know it seems like a long time for Broncos fans, but it hasn't been that long. Uh, Dennis is at Bray Park. G'day, Dennis.
7: Thank you,
2: mate. The Broncos, when did they Uh, last play finals? 2019. They did indeed, 2019. Brilliant, Dennis. We are on our way. Question number five. Who was just appointed the new captain of Australia's T20 men's cricket side? Mitch Marsh. Mitch Marsh, indeed. What about that? Has there been a better comeback and bigger comeback in Australian sport? Four years ago, he left the Ashes saying, the entire country hates me. Now he's won a World Cup. he scored a century in an Ashes and he's been named captain of Australia. Mitch Marsh, take a bow. Question number six, Dennis. Um, Oh, here we go. The second Arthur Beetson medal will be awarded this weekend to the player of the match between which two NRL teams? Uh, The Bristers and Dolphins. Roosters and Dolphins, indeed. See, the questions, they sound complicated, but they're really quite easy. Question number seven. Flying here, Dennis. Here we go. Who captained the Wallabies in their Bledisloe Cup? It was, geez, it was a tight, tight loss, wasn't it, against the All Blacks on the weekend? But who was the captain for Australia?
3: Kate McDermott.
2: Queensland boy, we love it. It was our fourth captain of the Wallabies in four tests. So here we go. Uh, Question number eight. There's a clue for you. How many Paul Morgan medals for the Broncos Player of the Year has Payne Haas won? Three. Dennis, you were going so well. So well indeed. Uh, Let me see. Was Dennis in our top five? Was he in one, one, two, three, four, five? Was he... Um, oh, I think he might have been number six. So, Dennis, you don't get a call back. Uh, John has. He's jumped back on the line. John, good morning to you again. Good
6: morning, Ben.
1: All right, que-
2: question number eight. So we're right at the pointy end now. How many Paul Morgan medals has Payne Haas won for the Broncos' best player? I'd say four. Four is correct. Sam, I was looking at you going to press the button, buddy. Here we go. The penultimate question, number nine. What teams played at Brisbane Stadium, Lang Park, or Suncorp Stadium, if we want to get technical, last night in the FIFA Women's World Cup?
5: Uh, I would say... I don't know. Nigeria and
2: England. (laughs) That is a save and a half. Well done, John. Well done. Now... Chris is also standing by. He was our second caller from Ipswich. He had that second bite at the cherry. He is death-riding you here, John. Just no pressure. No pressure. But question number 10. Which Queenslander had his run of 16 straight FedEx Cup playoff appearances? So we're talking golf. 16 straight. It ended over the weekend. Who was it? I'll read the question again because I may have butchered it, but it was yep. the sem- the semi Which okay. Queensland golfer had his run of sixteen straight FedEx Cup playoff appearances end over the weekend? <sighs>
5: um,
2: I'll say Cameron Smith. Oh, it was a good guess, a good stab, because there are a number of Queenslanders sitting at the top of the golf tree. John, so close, so close. Let's see if Chris has got the answer. He's out at the switch, Chris. Question 10. Timing is everything. Do you need me to repeat the question?
7: No. I'm going to say Adam Scott.
2: Adam Scott, indeed, 16 straight FedEx Cup playoffs. That's an amazing record, but sadly it came to an end over the weekend of the Wyndham Championship. So, Chris, congratulations. Mate, you are off to the Lions this Saturday afternoon, half past four at the Gabba against Adelaide. It's a team that have already beaten them once this year. And they will be playing for their finals live. So it's going to be a hell of a match. And you can probably watch the Matildas on your phone as well. Stream it on 7 Plus. So well done, mate. Um, Chris, I'm going to send you back to the Hoff. He's going to get your details. A double uh, coming his way to the lines. And Adelaide Crows. Uh, I was just on the phone during the news break uh, to my colleagues in Adelaide to see how they are training and how they're aiming up. Isaac Rankin. For those playing at home, especially those on the Gold Coast, I know it hurts every time you hear his name, but he's been out with a hamstring for the last couple of weeks. But he is back running and is on track to play the Lions this Saturday. Not such a good thing. It's good to get big names through and get some uh, bums on seats through the gate. But Isaac Rankin, he did... um, He did a number on us. I think he kicked three goals from memory. I'll have to check that. But, uh, yes, never good when you're uh, up against an attacking forward like that. And Brisbane may have to contend with him Saturday afternoon. Uh, We are bang on quarter past 11. A quick break. We We will go around the grounds to see how they have been training. But we'll also be talking some Matildas from someone who's been there and done it before as a Matilda. That next.
1: Host Plus has been named Super Rating Superfund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings, Mornings with Ben, ben Davis, Davis on SENQ. 8,
5: 7, 8.
2: are celebrating everything green and gold today after the Matildas 2-0 win over Denmark. Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, 5 o'clock, they have booked their spot at Suncorp Stadium. Sadly, you cannot get tickets. That has been sold out well before the Matildas game was, well, before they qualified for that match. Are you going? Did you look at the draw and work out if the Matildas finish top of the ladder and keep progressing, this is where they'll play? Is that why you got tickets? Or have you just jumped on board to be part of one of the biggest events, if not the biggest event that we've seen in this country since the Sydney 2000 Olympics? Wow. Can you imagine that some 23 years later? I bet you my next guest can't. She's been there and done it before with the Matildas. Uh, she is part of the SEN family uh, as well, um, as part of our call team calling the World Cup. She must be so excited. She is a brizzy girl and old, old Hallows girl. Uh, Alyssa Carnavas. Very good morning to you. Are you pinching yourself still after the the the, the run the Matildas have been on? Oh,
0: good morning. I'm just sitting here with a big grin on my face because that all sounds very weird, doesn't it? The Matildas are the biggest event since Kathy Freeman. I, I've done it I'm a, in a short space of time, and then I was a youngster, and um, it's happening in Brisbane, and I'm an ex All Hallows girl, all in one sentence. It's a bit of, a, <laughs> bit of a, a play on the brain. I'm like, what's going on in this country? This is pretty amazing, right? It's just, um, worlds are colliding. Um, how fantastic for Brisbane! How fantastic. Well, women's sport and how fantastic for sport in Queensland, and of course I'm I'm pumped. It's amazing,
2: uh, Alyssa. I've been asking the question today about has this awoken the sleeping giant? of Australian sport. And, and last hour I had Simon Hill on and, and he gave us a rundown of, of, you know, internationally and at the uh, the national level, Football Federation Australia is ticking all the boxes with the Socceroos, the Matildas, World Cups here, the national game, the elite level. Fantastic. Domestically though, there's a gap. And until we get that sorted, maybe we won't see the cut through that, a World Cup should provide? If you were in charge, if you needed to make some changes, some tweaks to to make that cut through, what would it be?
0: Yeah, it it is definitely a huge factor in our sport. We've been talking a lot about it, I guess, with Inside the Football Fraternity. It's how do we harness change? How do we harness sustainability? We're going to have huge interest after this World Cup with young boys and girls wanting to kick around ball right? The correct shape ball, if you ask me. <laughs> but I, um, it, the challenge is exactly that. How do we keep these kids involved? How do we keep this game growing and flourishing after this huge, spectacular event? Um, if I was in charge, it's such a tough question. There's so many levels, but the the biggest thing that we need to tackle is making grassroots football more accessible. And then once we've got kids in there, um, we, we really need to look at how we can keep them involved there's so many options in our country when it comes to sport and talented kids are talented kids there's raw talent within our communities and there's so many different options for them to rise in a particular sport of their choice so part of that is the attraction of the sport and Mm. the accessibility of the sport the other part of it is funding Uh, funding is a huge huge um issue i think for football i don't want to harp too much on, on numbers but we are very much an underfunded sport by way of government involvement as well when you compare it to the other codes. So it's about pitching to our leaders in governance about how we can grow our sport and getting them aboard, getting them involved. I think the NRL and the AFL do it very, very well um, and our football people need to to keep those politicians getting to these corporate boxes at the World Cup and saying, look at this, you know, <laughs> come and be a part of it, come and get involved and, and let's grow this together, I think it's really important.
2: Well, uh, Alyssa, on, on, a, on a, an international level, sport is the great uniter of, of countries, of trade, of you just mentioned politicians and corporate boxes. It doesn't matter what sport it is, if it's on an international level, that brings countries together. That, that is good for economies. That's good for exports. It's good for... It, there's so many layers that sport can bring. So you're spot on. I remember seeing Anthony Albanese on, the, on a lap of a, a cricket field with um, uh, Indian Prime Minister Modi. I mean, that's... We know what sport can do. So you're right. And right now, you've got some of the biggest names and the biggest countries in the biggest sport on the planet here in Australia. So th- there's got to be some cut through. There's got to be a knock-on effect. And we, we hope... We dearly hope that it does happen and they can harness a nation. And, and in two weeks' time, we don't move on to somewhere else, which invariably yeah. has happened.
0: Yeah, exactly right. And and you're spot on with all of that. And I think what you just said, it, we've got to cut through. We've got to utilise this as a vessel for, for that change. I think, um, you know... I'm of South I'm African background, and one of my greatest and earliest memories is 1995, which the All Blacks will argue they were ill, but I beg to differ when the Spring Rocks made that big. <laughs> big <laughs> and I, was, I was a 10-year-old kid, and it, it changed um, my country of origin in a big way. Um, it changed uh, sport in the country as well, and the accessibility for kids that perhaps didn't have that either. And so I think it's just so important. And we, tu- we touch on very lightly our Indigenous uh, communities as well. I think we-, we can really utilise and harness talent out of those communities with the round ball and, and grow this thing. It's time. It- look at it. It's-, it's buzzing. So I think if there's, if there's a time, it's now.
2: OK. Elizabeth, uh, talk me through you and your, your story. So an uh, 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 immigrant to Australia, a-, a girl in all hello, so Brisbane, um, played on-, on the Gold Coast. What-, what-, what attracted you to the round ball game? How did you... And what was what was it that sparked you? Was there someone you were looking up to, watching? Was there a game you saw? What was it?
0: Yeah. Uh, look, my, my parents immigrated from South Africa during the apartheid era, so very obvious reasons yeah. why they may have left um, South Africa. But um, I, I was into ballet as a youngster. I, completely different, different um, line of of activity and my old man played actually in the old over 35s team in Albany Creek, shout out to a soccer club there. And um, I went and watched the game as you do as kids of the players. And um, they said, oh, look, we just need a group of kids to come on at halftime just to have a kick, you know, just to make it a bit of fun, you know, the old half time entertainment at the local. And I said, nah, I'm not, not keen on this. And a bit of convincing with some lollies and some gems. And I put on a pair of, joggers and a pair of shorts and went and had a kick with the boys and loved it absolutely loved it changed my life obviously and enrolled the next year to play and um it went from there so very early on i was probably picked in state teams by the age of 11 and um selected by gary phillips at 13 to have a qas scholarship which was obviously the most good queensland athletes that was our road the qas and um from there was have selected in the uh, young Matildas about 16 and into the, the national tenfold thereafter. So it, it, when you look back at that, as very quick. Um, and then mixing your tuition and, and school and all the fun things at the same time. So the rise was pretty quick and I, I think the most similar story that we see right now in, in real terms is Mary Fowler. I think when I look at her, I see a lot of similarity in how quickly she's risen and fortunately for Mary, there's The world's at our feet. Very, very different times 20 years ago, right? So I think it's so exciting for young girls now and and players coming through. It's it's
2: awesome. You can just imagine those girls sitting in the crowd now or maybe at home watching, being part of uh, the the 3.5 million who who watched around uh, on TV last night, who watched around the country in... 10 years, 15 years time where they will be and they're watching Sam or Caitlin or, or Mary and now having seen someone that they can do it and they can achieve and and go, I want to be just like that. We we, we cannot wait for the World Cups in the next, well, the next 12 years and see where Australia can benefit from this. Now, Alyssa, let, let's talk through Saturday. Uh, we don't know who we're playing yet. It could be the world number 72, Morocco. Or it could be the world number five, France. Uh, let, let's stoop through the most logical scenario here and it will be France someone who we've beaten uh, just last month
0: Yeah and it will be France I think Morocco um, are brilliant brilliant representatives of, of African football and particularly African Arab football so I do wish them well but I feel like France-Morocco it's a little bit of a An old rivalry, I think, in that part of the world as well with so much immigration from Morocco and North Africa into France. But I expect to see France go through. Um, We did beat them um, in our last send-off match at Marvel down here in Melbourne. And, look, I think we've got the mental one-up on the French, but they're a team that have built really beautifully into this competition. Um, I think the change for France came at Suncorp, actually, against Brazil. I think that's where they definitely their change and their tempo just lifted a little bit and of course their confidence through their captain uh, Wendy Renard as well so different outfit I think that will meet on Saturday should they get through should they beat Morocco and I think we'll have our work cut out for us and for both teams Suncorp Stadium has just been a really fantastic pitch with some really fantastic results for them as well Matilda's last match against Nigeria not so much but Mm. I think they'll be looking to make it a little bit better. But the French, having played on Suncorp, are also familiar now and um, on a bit of a roll like our Matilda, so it'll be a huge encounter. Uh,
2: What you saw from... or what we all saw from Sam Kerr last night, uh, enough to convince you that she's right, the calf's good, she's ready to roll. Should she start on Saturday?
0: Yeah, look, she looked better than I expected her to be, just in terms of her movement. Um, She could see she probably wasn't as mobile in certain elements as as we'd expect, but, you know, she's had three weeks on the sidelines, maybe a little bit um, of warming up in the sense to come back into the match and, and find her feet again, which won't take long for Sam at all. But um, I actually would keep her on the bench. I know that's a really, really big call. Um, I would keep her as an impact player off the bench. I think our front three at the moment are working really well. Mm. And the link up with with Fowler and um, Katrina Gorey. And I thought Kyra Queenie Cross was excellent last night as well. Um, that's all going really smoothly. I'd be reluctant to disrupt that at the moment. I would actually let it let it stay as is and bring Sam off the bench because that, to me, against France is more of a threat than the French working her out early in the match.
2: Hey, that's a really good insight. Really good insight. And you know what? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. We love it. And Mary yeah. Fowler wasn't there when we played at, uh, at Suncorp in Brisbane the last time, so she could be uh, the difference That's as it. well. Hey, Alyssa, thank you so much for your time. Great great to talk to an old uh, Brisbane... Old, sorry. A former Brisbane girl. <laughs> that was... That would know... Brilliant. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. <laughs> I know. And we uh, look forward to hearing your dulcet tones on SEN's coverage of the Women's World Cup. Part of our commentary team. Uh, it is now coming up to 11.33 on a Tuesday... Tuesday, hasn't time flown? Vanessa, standing by with a new.
5: Hey, True Blue. Don't say you've gone. Say you've knocked off for a smoke,
2: And you'll be back later on. Hey, True Blue. I see the CEO of Football Australia... Um- uh, Mr. Johnson is up for a media doorstop, as we call it in the business, in about uh, an hour's time. I reckon the second question to him should be, uh, John Williamson, have you phoned him? Will he be at Suncorp Stadium playing? Not even, not only Walsing Matilda, but True Blue. That'd be the way to go, wouldn't it? I reckon that would be just the 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 ducks guts when it comes to. Getting the crowd in, getting the atmosphere, but also getting us involved and and, and the Matildas is part of, I mean, I know they are ingrained at the moment, but just to to keep them ingrained in our psyche, getting waltzing Matilda, playing before, I know that was True Blue, you could play the full set if you really wanted to. but James Johnson, when he talks today, someone should ask him, have you got John Williamson on speed dial? And if not, why not? Get him to Suncorp Stadium on Saturday. At 5 o'clock, that game kicks off. Uh, the coverage on Channel 7 from 4. That's right. Uh, it will be moving 7 News, which in the world of media, when you're moving your news times, you know it's, uh, you don't do it uh, lightly and it's a big deal. So, uh, yes, that game will be live and on, the, uh, on Channel 7, on the main channel. I mean, we know we've got the Lions playing uh, as well at the same time across the river at the Gabba and the night before. You're going to have the, the Broncos playing Parramatta. Exactly. Let's hope there's no more send-offs. We're going to go around the grounds very shortly and get the lowdown on how the Broncos were training. There was an issue around Reese Walsh uh, and also Adam Reynolds. Was he up and running? We'll find out very shortly. But I did promise you this uh, at the top of the hour. Uh, Maddie on text. He's out at Race View and he's come off the long run, pushed off the back fence. As far as send-offs are concerned, he said, Ben, you're part of the problem. Mo's tackle was a send-off. Charles niggel Clockstad, he was heavily concussed. Players need to aim their tackles lower. Pretty simple. Mo didn't bend his back in a tackle, and he was too upright and pays the price. By the way, so does CNK. Well, he paid the price. He got concussed. But you know what? That was not intentional. It wasn't foul play. That's what a send off should be limited to, intentional foul play, your swinging arms, your, your spear tackles, um, something that yeah, throwing a punch. That is where a send off needs to be used. Ten in the bin, I can live with. In Moford Awakers' case, maybe even Nathan Brown's case, but a send off, that changes the game because now I'm just confused. I don't know what constitutes a send off anymore, and I reckon the players would be having a hard time thinking about that as well. Oh, Justin's back on the line. Hello, Justin. Morning to you again. How you going, mate? Very yeah, well.
3: No, I, I just want to comment. I totally agree with you getting Johnny Williamson up. You know, for the game on on the weekend. I just question whether um, the current crowd or the, the the hype you were talking about. You know. Um, is the juggernaut continuing on? I'm just wondering if it would not have the same feel as it does at a rugby match.
2: Well, I tell you, every time I go to play John Williamson at a rugby match, it, it was, uh, the Wallabies, it was over 20 years ago. It yep. was so long. I and mean, to try and find something like that on on YouTube or, or, you know, back in the day, let's reinvent it. Let's reincarnate it. And whilst seeing Matilda at the Matildas, Agreed. it's... It would go – well, not only would it go viral, but it would be the next – see, we're searching now for John Williamson 20 years ago at the Wallabies. Why don't we search for John Williamson on Saturday to be at the Matildas? And that can be the legacy for the next 20 or 30 years. Taylor, yeah. mate, Taylor, mate. I totally agree with you. Yeah,
3: yeah I mean, whilst seeing Matilda on Saturday at 5pm would just be bloody awesome mate, you know um,
2: It's giving me tingles just thinking about it
3: I'm nervous if it doesn't have the same feel
2: Justin let's get him there and find out Let's get. Can we get John Williamson on the phone? Justin, thank you for the call. 13, 13 0467 736 736. We'll go around the ground, snake. Host Plus
1: has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. <laughs>
2: Yes, all the glitters is green and goals. I would have thought after the Matildas last night. Sam, I love this. You're getting better at this. I love it. I love it. 13, 13, 55. We'll get to the open line in just a tick. Um, the NRL Titans, they have a double header next Saturday. So that's August 19. In the NRL, it's the Panthers, and the NRL W, it's against the Roosters. A Titans doubleheader next Saturday. Uh, Titans. dot com for tickets. Um Before we go around the grounds, let's head to let's go to line number four. Mike, good morning to you.
5: Yeah, g'day, Ben. I'll make it quick because I know time's on the wing. Um, the The Mo final wake incident happened in the sixteenth minute. Yeah, um, three minutes earlier than that. Chris Randall. Uh, was put on a report for a head high contact with uh, DWZ um, Dallin on the wing. Mm. Now, that that match should be a test case because I have searched all the media and I can't find anywhere where Chris Randall's contact with the head has drawn any suspension whatsoever. So we've gone from, correct me if I'm wrong, but we've we've gone from the 13th minute yep. to put on a report for a high contact almost exactly the same one-on-one tackle, three minutes later, a send-off. Now, if Graham Mannersley doesn't use that as a test case, uh, you know, I don't know where we're going. But it's all about consistency, and that is not consistency.
2: Do, do you know what constitutes a send-off anymore, Mike? Because I don't.
5: No, no, I don't. I'm a Cowboys supporter, so, you know, the look on Val's face, he, he tried to ease that guy down to the ground after he... Knew he'd made contact with him. He didn't mm. bear hug him or go on with it. Nah, you know, no, nah, I'm out of it. I'm out. I'm, I'm 64 years of age. No, nah, too good for me. All
2: right, <laughs> Mike. Good on you, mate. Thank you for being part of the show. Thirteen, thirteen, fifty-five, oh four, six seven, seven three six, seven three six. Also, getting sent off. Surely that's more than a one-week ban, isn't it? Is there a minimum if you get sent off? Surely there's got to be a minimum ban when it comes to that. I would have thought if it's bad enough to be sent off, two, three, what would it be? Uh, Let's head around the grounds. Uh, Mitchell Crone is uh, my colleague at Channel 7, the Sevens League reporter. He's been at the Gabba this morning. That's right. It's where the Broncos train today. Uh, Mitch, good morning to you. What did you see? Adam Reynolds, uh, was he running around with the rest of his teammates? Oh, hello, Mitch. Hello, Mitch, are you there? Oh... (laughs) There'll be words there will be words um let me see paul good morning to you ben dragons robbed again i doubt the eels would have won from 16 points down bottom four to five teams always cop the bunker bungles Oh, that was a question put to Graham Manesley about the teams lower down of the ladder, copying the raw end of the what raw end of the deal, raw end of the stick, whatever it may be. Uh, he shot that down pretty quickly. Uh, all right, let's see. Uh, Mitch, take two. G'day, mate. Good morning, Ben. How uh, are you? Mate, I'm very well. More importantly, how are the Broncos? Adam Reynolds was he running around with his teammates, or is he still being nursed through training? Yes,
7: yeah, Adam Reynolds. Expect him back for for Friday's clash. Trained well, trained freely. The real concern, though, um, for this next coming game is Reese Walsh. Looking a bit ginger, um, carrying about as much strapping tape as Reynolds usually does, which is surprising because the captain holds a monopoly on it. <laughs> Um, the, the club will, we're expecting him to be named to play. Um, the club expects him to play, but is looking a little sore after that cows clash. That's one to look out for.
2: What's his complaint? What's he got?
7: Um, so from what I saw, it looked like a shoulder. He had a shoulder strapped up, um, particularly around his back, looked a little bit sore. Um, you know, we've seen the reports come out about this so-called scorpion tackle from the Cowboys. It could be effects from that, but, um, just waiting to hear more from the club essentially what he's actually going through at the moment
2: okay now now jesse arthur's he um he he uh copped a uh i'm trying to think category one h i a is that correct
7: yeah correct category one uh, as a result of that head clash so yeah he's uh definitely out in high spirits though and, Personally, a bit of a shame because I think he's been a a bit of an unheralded hero for the Broncos. But that'll be Dean Mariner coming back in. So he trained on the wing today. Um, That's a straight life for life, which I think most expected. And then the back row, uh, it looks like Jordan Rickey is finally back from that injury. um, Set to start in the back row, which... It's unfortunate for Brendan Piakura, the rookie who's done a pretty good job there um, filling in so far this year, but he could still retain a spot on the bench. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they go with when we the team comes out at 4 o'clock.
2: Uh, Mitchell, who did you get to speak to today from the Broncos? Who, uh, who popped their head up?
7: I'm very glad you asked, Ben. It was Payne Haas, the man who just cannot avoid a headline at all this year. Um, and of course, plenty of questions around his contract, his future reports over the past couple of days, and even Kevi Walter Walters going on radio the other day saying a, a deal will be done within a matter of weeks. Well, that seems to be premature now. I uh, was reluctant to talk about what the status is of those negotiations. Oh, um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine Look, he's, he said the main things, and we've known this for the better part of a year now, the main thing is contending for premierships. That's what he wants. The Broncos, well, they look to have got that right this year, but family is also an important factor there. Um, they don't live too far down the road, so that really works in the Broncos' favour, Um but yeah, in terms of uh, Kevi saying a deal will be done within a matter of weeks, well, it seems like it's going to stretch on longer than that.
2: Mitch, did he give any indication that the the deal of the Broncos of table will definitely be rejected? He is definitely going to go to November one and test himself in the open market, or perhaps even wait for rival codes to That's... come in with offers. <laughs> oh,
7: then. I know you've spoken to plenty of these players over the years and they're so well trained now. I think um, we heard about six different variations of the comment that I will leave those talks up to my manager and those negotiations are ongoing. So no real clear indicator of where he's looking, but the only thing I take from it is that uh, there's no done deal. It's still ongoing and By in essence of that, it means that those rival offers are still going to come.
2: Mitch, we look forward to your story tonight. Seven News at Six. Mitchell Crone, who's been down at the Broncos training session at the Gabba ahead of Friday night's game against Parramatta. Speaking of done deal, not yet, but I'm hearing very, very soon... Will Brown in the world of supercars could be leaving Erebus and signing with Triple Eight Racing as a replacement for Shane Van Gisbergen next year. Uh, This is moving quite quickly is my understanding. And the fact that Shane Van Gisbergen looks set to sail for the United States next year and NASCAR, they are looking for a replacement. Uh, Shane Van Gisbergen, as we know, is the best in the business, but Will Brown, Uh, And I'm pretty sure he is from the Darling Downs or Toowoomba, uh, that region. Um, I'll clarify that for you. But I am hearing through my contacts that Triple Eight Racing and Will Brown are very close to doing a deal. It may even happen today. If not, it will happen fairly soon. So watch this space. Will Brown linked with a switch to Triple Eight Racing to replace Shane Van Gisbergen Uh, if he heads stateside, which is pretty much all the noise he's been making, saying, yeah, going back to NASCAR, uh, that deal uh, could be done as early as today. Uh, We're seven away from midday.
1: Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings mornings with Ben Davis Davis. on SENQ. Well, Dak, here's the deal.
4: I'm the best there is, plain and simple. I mean, I wake up in the morning, I piss excellence, and nobody can hang with my stuff. (laughs) Uh, You know, I'm just a... Just a big, hairy American
2: winning machine. If you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> if you ain't first, you're last. Well, there we go. Shane Van Gisbergen racing trucks in the States this week. I know Will Brown has a contract with Erebus until the end of 24, but then so does Shane Van Gisbergen with Triple Eight. So we watch this space. Uh, download the SEN app because you will uh, be able to find all the World Cup matches there, especially tonight. We've got the final rounds or the final games in the round of 16. Jamaica and Columbia live from Melbourne. And then after that. France and Morocco coming to you from Hindmarsh Stadium in Adelaide. The winner of that match, they take on the Matildas this Saturday. Uh, it's been a big three hours. We'll do it again tomorrow. Thanks for your company. Um, I'm going to hand it over to Jimmy Smith. That's right. That's what happens at this time of the day. Uh, Mel Meninga on tomorrow. And we have put calls into John Williamson to see if he's up for waltzing Matildas at the Matildas. Catch you tomorrow from night.